Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota racing team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like sixth grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live Wide Open. Off the end of the back straightaway. Larson's going to send it. Larson's in the wall. Larson's on Hamlin's back bumper. Logano leads down the back straightaway. Keselowski's in line. Now he turns him. Both Team Penske cars crash. Keselowski is up in a ball of flame. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you. And, well, it's our birthday. We are at episode 52. One year ago today, we started... NASCAR Live Wide Open. We appreciate all the downloads and all the love. And if you have any suggestions, anything you want to hear, let us know. Tweet me at the Mike Bagley. You can also use that MRN radio hashtag, AskMRN. We try to take you inside of different stories and the like, previewing, reviewing, talking to current stars and legends of the sport. And we'll do that again this year as we gear up for the 75th anniversary of NASCAR. We're getting ready for the Clash of the Coliseum. We're also getting ready for Speed Weeks 2023. And on this week's show, as we count you down into the Daytona 500, I want to give you an opportunity, in case you missed it, to go back and check out yesterday's NASCAR Live. On the show, 
We had a piece about the 1998 Daytona 500. And what a year that was. And for those of you that are new to the sport and you don't understand the significance of the 1998 Daytona 500, going into that Speed Weeks that year was the same question. For one legend, Dale Earnhardt. He's been trying and trying and trying and trying to win the Daytona 500. And every year, and I know Dale got tired of this. Always it was the question, Dale, is this the year? Can you win it? Can you do it? Well, in 1998, he did. He did it through unique circumstances at the end of the Great American Race. Matter of fact, that was my second Daytona 500 I'd worked. I was working the end of the backstretch. Trouble at the end of the race. A couple of cars getting together. Caution flag comes out. We're racing back to the line. Dale was leading. And it was, can he get to the line to get the caution? And then, can he make the caution laps to get around to take the white flag? And then the checkered flag. And on the backstretch... You know, I'm watching the cars come flying by me. And then my ears quickly locked into, and I froze in place. Oh, Dale's leading in three. Dale's leading off of four. Can he do it? Can he do it? Can he do it? And he finally did it. And then what happened after that? Mike Joy on the uh, telecast that day was talking about how every crew member from every team came out and basically high-fived Dale as he was making his slow way down pit road. Of course, Dale turning the donuts in the grass in the infield there. What a monumental day. One of the most memorable days in this sport. And we're going to be looking back at a lot of memories over the course of this year as we're celebrating the 75th anniversary of NASCAR. While Dale Earnhardt winning the 1998 Daytona 500 was a big deal, we're going to transition into a conversation that we had last week with another winner of the Great American Race, one of the handfuls of drivers that are still active that are champions of the great American race. And that would be Michael McDowell of front row motorsports, an unlikely victor in the sports biggest race few years ago. What a night, what a day, what a night for Michael McDowell and front row that loves travel stop car, taking the checkered flag and Michael McDowell will always be known as a winner of the Daytona 500. We caught up with Michael last week in Charlotte as he and the team get ready for another season a season that they feel will have a lot of momentum based on what Michael was able to do last year and the changing personnel landscape that he brought us up to speed with. What do you I think about that. medals and podium and all that stuff? Kind of like almost like Olympic celebration at the end of this. Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, I, I saw on, I take a social media fast from the end of the season until the start of the season. And the uh, first day of the start of the season for me was yesterday because that was media day and I start paying attention and everything. Um, and I saw I saw that news and I think it's really cool. And I saw some people taking credit for it too. You guys probably have the more inside scoop, but I saw Dale Jr. say that it was somebody on the podcast or whatever. But I'm going to slide in and take a 30% credit because I had this conversation with Ben Kennedy about every form of motorsports in the world has a first, second, and third. And I understand why NASCAR hasn't. And there's an element to me that is cool of like, no, you either win or it's nothing, right? But I also know from a business standpoint, for us, for our teams, for other teams, when you run, when we run third at Sonoma, it's a big day. And if we have that extra little bit of attention, getting a trophy, standing on a podium, getting an interview and all that, it goes a tremendously long way for our partners, right? And so 
I was talking to Ben about it. We were just having a, a fun conversation about it. And you just think about all motorsports, first, second, third. I mean, obviously, the big trophy and the big check is going to go to the winner. But um, so I hope that this is like step one of that because I feel like as hard as it is to win in the Cup Series now, um, that it would be cool to be able to get that exposure for your partners and your fans. So you would advocate this going forward even to points paying races? I would, but I also understand why they don't. I really do. I mean, NASCAR has been built on if you're running second, you go for the lead no matter what, right? And the only thing that matters is winning a race and this playoff structure and um, winning your end and all those things lead to that. So... I realize it could be a little bit of an unpopular opinion uh, because second is the first loser, but it sure is cool on those weekends when you run second that you have something for it. I like that. I do like that. By the way, you mentioned Manzanita. Now, you just took me down memory lane. <laughs> I never went there, and it's, that is one of the racetracks I've always wanted to go to. Did, did you ever race there? Did you ever do anything there? So I never did any dirt racing. Um, always asphalt always road course racing but we had a lot of friends in the area that that race you know uh, sprint cars and midget and out there uh, at the time it was all 410 non-wing there was no wing stuff and so watching a 410 go around manzanita is ridiculous and i mean you would have guys if they went over the fence they were way over the fence and in the junkyard um and it was just exciting it was a great place but you know i grew up a racing fan um but we had the copper world classic out there right and you would have tony stewart and jeff gordon and there's a lot of other guys and mike bliss and all these guys they would run manzanita saturday night copper world classic sunday in a silver crown car and a midget and you know yaley and all these guys um that were just getting to the point of transitioning into you know indycar nascar all that stuff so um, I didn't drive, but I definitely got to watch a lot of those guys do it. Well, see, I watched that on TV, and the cooler thing than being there was I remember being, because we used to do the Copper World Classic, trucks used to be a part of the Copper World Classic there yeah. back in the late 90s, to be at dinner and look over and see these lights, and what is all that dust? What is that <laughs> over there? Oh, that's Manzanita. Yeah. But to see all the dust swirling around when they used to do that, that was pretty awesome. That name, though, rings bells you didn't have to race there when you mentioned manzanita you knew exactly what you were talking about and who you were talking about when they raced there yeah it, it was a, a special place and you know when people think of racing they don't really think of arizona as a you know a real central point um california arizona all that kind of mixes together nevada and you know when you're on the west coast you pretty much travel those three or four states and are in there so yeah it it was fun to watch those guys run and and um and as a kid, just to kind of be able to watch them go from one level to the next level to the next level. Let's talk more about things closer to home. I mentioned I talked to your new crew chief earlier, but I want to back up. You and I visited on pit road and in the garage last year. You had a great year statistically with Zane winning the Truck Series Championship. The successes of Todd, it would appear that the tide of front row <laughs> motorsports is going in the right direction. Would yeah. you not agree? Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. I think that you know the the season that we had last year as a whole um was incredible and you know the truck guys man it was so awesome to watch and you know it's just neat for everybody in the building because we aren't a a, a big team right i mean we we have 70 people in front row and that's not a small team by any means but you know that's two and a half cup cars and a full truck team and we're doing bodies and chassis and all all paint and everything to to go with that um and so 
it's neat to see how it lifts everybody up, you know, whether it's the truck or the cup car and everybody kind of feeds off of each other and that success. So um, it was a great season, a great year, and, you know, more competitive than we've ever been in the cup series. And um, results to show that as well. I mean, we didn't get a win, and um, but we were close to it, and, and we definitely had great cars and a, a great program, and and we feel confident going in this year. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns, and we've had a lot of turnover um, on the 34 in particular. I mean, 38 as well, and you know that's inevitable in our sport. I mean, when you have a, a great season like we did, um, it takes people, and it takes good people to have a season like that, and and. You know, I'm not, I'm not throwing any stones. I'm not, um, you know, sore about it. But these big teams are desperate for good people, and and we've had a bunch of them kind of picked from our our lineup over the last, you know, three years. And um, like I said, it's part of it. We get it. Um, but you know, feel like we've recovered and rebounded well over the last few years. And you know, it, it's daunting when you get to November and you find out half your team is going somewhere else and you have such good chemistry and you're rolling and running good every weekend it's just a kick in the gut you're like oh man um but not just being optimistic we landed really great people and i feel like how cool is it going to be to do this again year three you know year one drew win the 500 lose our crew chief year two Blake comes up, has success, lose crew chief, car chief, interior guy, front end, rear end. I mean, there's three guys on our program right now that were on the 34 last year. Me, the spotter, and the PR guy. <laughs> and, and so it was a complete start over. And um, But I feel really good with where we landed and the people that we got. We got some great hires, and uh, I feel like we'll be going forward at front row. Um, but it's going to take time. It is. I mean, you just can't fabricate chemistry. You can't. And it took Blake and I a little bit to get going. Um, and I'm sure it'll take Travis and I a little bit to get going. But we have a great foundation and we have great people at Front Row. And the, all those names that we mentioned, those are just one or two people that are part of that 70 that make our race cars go fast. And so our core team of people pretty much stayed intact except for our road crew that's on the 34 so i'm still optimistic about you know what we can accomplish and what we can build and feel really good with with travis and um and the team that he's assembled and that we've put together at front row so one of the things this sport is guilty of and i will include myself with it we judge success by numbers of checker flags and trophies yeah but there are ways to measure success without those how does an operation like front row motorsports and you as a driver measure the successes when the checkered flags aren't there yeah for sure so um a, a few ways you know obviously there's a lot of data and there's a lot of things that you can validate whether you're making gains or not but personally the approach that i take is you set goals before the season starts and your goal should be a little bit higher than they were the, the previous year. And you have some measurable, you know, um, realistic um, targets to hit. And for me last year, the target that I, I put in was more top tens than we ever have. Because here's my theory, and it's, it's just a theory, I guess. But if you run in the top ten consistently, you're going to have some top fives you run in the top five consistently, you're going to win some races. And so 
we were a team that had won the Daytona 500, but we were running 15th to 20th and then getting some top 10s. So the next step for us was running inside the top 10 consistently, getting some top fives to running in the top five semi-consistently and having shots at winning races. So um, that target just keeps moving and moving. Um, You know, two years ago, the the goal was simple, to win a race. This year, the goal, I think, is pretty simple as well, is to win the race, especially seeing what we saw last year with so many uh, winners. And I don't think you're going to be able to point your way into the playoffs at any point moving forward. I just don't feel like that's going to be a thing or something that you should shoot for. I think if you have an opportunity to win a race, you got to take it no matter what. Um, so, you know, winning a race is at the top of the goal, but you still got to have something that you can measure, right? So for me, last year was top tens. This year's top fives. More top fives. If we have more top fives than we did in any previous year, we're going to have more opportunities to win races. Um, and so that's the tangible goal, the realistic goal, and the, the high goal that we, we are setting. And so um, just go out there every weekend and try to get it. That was Michael McDowell. Hard to believe that it's only him, the spotter, and the PR guy that's left. He used the term cherry picking, where I guess there's a lot of talent over there front row that a lot of folks wanted to get their hooks into, and they've done that. We'll see what kind of personnel they have in place and what 2023 will offer Michael McDowell and Front Row Motorsports. Speaking of underdogs and what years can offer, what about Corey LaJoy and Spire Motorsports? They've been making progress here or there. Steve Post had a chance to catch up with Corey. Could perhaps maybe Corey LaJoy be a long shot to win the Daytona 500? Could he be an underdog? But what about 2023 in general, based on where they were in 2022? Corey LaJoy joins us here on Motor Racing Network. Corey, when we look at 2022 and you look at the results you had, look at the near win at Atlanta, how would you assess 2022 as far as your career goes, career year? How would you assess that? Um, I think it it showed some glimpses of what I feel like I'm capable of. Um, I feel like we, as a team, definitely didn't meet the the bar that I thought we could have met. We weren't very consistent. We had a lot of mechanical failures just learning the new car and some of the some of the the weak points there that we we had to address and work through so we had i believe eight or nine mechanical failures that resulted in dnfs last year so um if we could clean those up um limit the driver mistakes i think we had three driver induced dnfs so if i can clean those up if we had towards the end of the year when we executed a a just a solid day of what we were capable wise in terms of speed we were a 17th to 21st place car. And uh, if we can do that, we'll be in a pretty good points position and, and give ourselves some chance to win the speedways and, and you know, maybe get lucky of, of getting some track position somewhere and, and, you know, sneaking one out. But I think the potential ceiling for us next year is continue, continue to race. The stability of your third year with Spires, Ryan Sparks, your crew chief, that sort of thing. How important is that stability as you as you piece this all together? Well, we're seeing incremental improvements. Um, <clears throat> so Ryan Sparks was with me at, at GoFast our, our last year there. So this is going on our fourth year working together. We've got a good rapport. You know, he uh, he continues to push me to to hone my craft and to get better in the race car and, and outside the race car. So that's important as well as vice versa. You know, I push him to continue to build our cars with speed and to try to make them light and nice and 
and we've got some processes in place that I'm excited about going into the season. Uh, but knowing, you know, TJ Pusher and Jeff Dickerson, those guys, the beliefs they have in me and, and the chance they gave me a couple years ago uh, and to see what we built over at Spire Motorsports is, is cool. So I want to continue to grow that and, and see where it goes. When we look back at last year, there were some small or mid-sized teams that had pretty good success. Obviously, Trackhouse, but even Front Row Motorsports, Petty GMS. Is there something like that, that that gives you hope? And do you think we can continue with smaller teams like maybe Spire Motorsports being a little bit closer to the big boys, if you will? Uh, I mean, I think the next-gen car allows a smaller team to to hit on it more often than we used to, uh, which was rarely was rarely an opportunity for us to have a good day uh, to compete for top tens, let alone for wins. So the next-gen cars allowed, you know, a track house, which I wouldn't call them a small middle tier because they got 140 employees yeah. <laughs> over there. We've got 30, uh, you know. So you saw the run that Ross made late in the playoffs, which was cool. I don't expect us to be able to make that much of a, a solid push, but I do expect us to be the best version of ourselves. which means I feel like we can run between 20th and 24th in points and then give ourselves an opportunity to win speedway races and, and maybe steal a spot in the playoffs. There we go. Sounds good. That's for sure. Off the racetrack with the podcast, we saw the Race to the Championship Series with USA and NBC. All of that piecing together, how important is that to you, to your brand, for your image, the video production you do? How important is that for you in in building Corey LaJoy? Um, it's turned it's turned out to be more important than I realized it in the moment, whether it be starting a podcast on MRN, doing Sunday Money with Daryl Mott and Lauren Fox. Um, you know, we just did that for fun. And I started to realize, you know, if you're not going to be relevant on the racetrack competitively, you got to figure out how to be relevant off or you're going to be pretty expendable. Uh, so luckily, I was able to build the brand there, continue to show value to my partners uh, at the racetrack, off the track, as well as uh, as well as at, at it and on it. So, but then I grew to enjoy it. Um, it's a different challenge to talk about the sport through an unbiased filter because obviously you're going to be biased to yourself but to be able to look at it with a perspective of calling it like it is and, and saying you know the truth but also giving an insight to fans of what they wouldn't normally see uh, through the broadcast so I've, I've enjoyed it and it's it's allowed me to somehow continue a, a make now a seven year cup career which is bizarre to me but um, I'm enjoying it and uh, you know who knows where it can go finally racers climb the ladder and win races all the time you won races all the time you're not alone you get to the cup series and those wins it's come less it's very hard it yeah, really hard. is you went to martinsville you climbed aboard a modified you won a grandfather clock you parked it on the front stretch what did that mean to you to to, to get back to victory lane it's, it was a big deal in terms of just confidence overall you get you know you get your teeth kicked in for 36 weekends a year and you start to question if you can actually do it but when you jump in and, and race against the likes of jimmy blewett and matt hirschman and uh, Ryan, uh, Ronnie Silk and you know on down the list of those guys who are professional modified guys and you come out with the trophy it was it was pretty cool and um, you know and anytime that that clock chimes in my uh, in my living room it reminds me oh like you can drive race cars contrary to what some people might think so uh, hopefully we can get some more more uh, trophies for the mantle next year and uh, maybe get a couple more modified trophies while we're at sounds like fun thanks for joining us thanks Steve that's Steve Post and Corey LaJoy last week from Production Days or Media Days in Uptown Charlotte. Folks, that's all we have for you for this week. Don't forget, we are one week out 
from the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum. One week from Sunday, Motor Racing Network back on the air at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Our airtime one week from Sunday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And don't forget to catch NASCAR Live Tuesday this coming Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Plus, we are back with another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open one week from today. Folks, for producer Trey and the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Thanks for the download. Thanks for the love. And we'll catch up with you next week right here again on NASCAR Live Wide Open. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. Do you have an unused car, truck, motorcycle, boat, or RV taking up space? Put it to good use by donating it to the NASCAR Foundation. Proceeds help fund medical resources for children in our racing community. Your wheels can heal. Call 844-NASCAR-9 and we'll come tow away your vehicle for free. The process is quick and your gift is tax deductible. Call 844-NASCAR-9 to donate your vehicle to the NASCAR Foundation today. Your donation will help our children survive and thrive. 